Hi, this is Brad Redderson, and welcome to Sternova Strategic Edge, a bi-weekly audio business program where we explore emerging strategies in strategic innovation from the edges of the business ecosystem. In this shorter companion program to our bi-weekly Stranova interview podcast, we explore the implications of some of the newest strategic trends in business from all over the world and present them every other week, alternating with our regular interview series. So, thanks for tuning in, and let's get started with this episode of Stranova Strategic Edge. In Thomas Friedman's best-selling nonfiction book, The World is Flat, much of the work is about how many different forces have effectively flattened the world and made it easier and, in fact, essential for companies to partner, often via outsourcing, as a now mandatory move in order to stay ahead. In the process, he also makes a key statement about the nature of this partnering that I'd like to bring in here. And that statement is that even the biggest of companies must now compete, and I quote, by enabling their customers to act really big, end quote, and in effect and in fact, to partner with them in a level of trust and intimacy we have only seen emerge in the last few years. In this episode of Sternova Strategic Edge, we're going to explore how some companies have managed this kind of partnership and, along the way, help you think about how these kind of collaborations may be something for you to consider to help grow your business. Before we go into examples of this new approach, however, it's important to understand exactly how far we've come in the way we think about innovation in business. Let's take the car business, for example. The manufactured automobile was first introduced by French automakers Panard and Lavasser in 1889, who brought it to life with true inventions, such as the clutch and the automobile transmission. These innovations came to pass in, shall we say, the old-fashioned way, through the creative genius of a few innovators with a combination of inventive spirit, craftsman skill, and the right kind of problems to be solving. It was a truly top-down innovation with two characteristics that have carried forward into many businesses today. First, that there was only a small team of lofty inventors responsible for all innovations, even including the improvements they added as they learned about the realities and liabilities of their original designs. And secondly, that the increments of innovation, the measure of how much change there was in the design from any given period to the next, was in very large steps that also took place over large periods of time. Approximately two decades later, in 1908, Henry Ford introduced the Model T, a triumph of design and manufacturability, famous for its ubiquitous presence on the roadways it often shared with horse-drawn carriages, as well as the basic black color selected, in fact, because Ford discovered that, of all the paints he had available to him, black actually dried the fastest, thereby making for the shortest total production time. Ford, of course, is also rightly praised for yet another innovation he brought to the auto industry and to all of mechanized production, the assembly line. It compartmentalized work into small steps that were easily mastered by the production line workers with timing of those steps to allow work to be regularly passed down the line with human movements running almost like clockwork. It is, in fact, the automotive line that legendary management guru Peter Drucker was thinking of when he said that a well-run factory should be boring, by which he meant 
that both demand from customers as well as the assembly line supplying products for that demand were incredibly predictable. Those were the days, weren't they? Predictable, yes, but in the Drucker boring comment lies something else, something a little insidious about how innovation in such a predictable factory was managed. First, there was this little cadre of inventors and strategic thinkers who were responsible both for thinking up what products were going to be developed and for figuring out how to design them. If you weren't part of the inner circle in that business, you could, of course, excel as part of the financial tracking team. And yes, there too was one heck of an assembly line of people doing adding and subtracting in their ledgers, a production person of varying ranks, or a salesperson. But none of these roles allowed for much, if any, input into either the original design process or the next generation of innovations. That was left to that little innovation crew that ran the show. And the role of the customers in innovation? In those early days, it was indeed any color you want as long as it was black for buyers of the Model T. Those of us who launched their careers in the 1970s and 1980s are, I'm sure, smirking about this as I'm going through it, nodding wisely about how those were the old days and about how much things have changed since that time and how inclusive innovation has truly become. For those in the modern manufacturing industries, we now speak with pride of how everyone in the factory is involved in the design process, with important innovations introduced everywhere from the sales team to the production line, and incremental innovations being the order of the day. We celebrate delighting the customers by truly, carefully listening to their needs, developing our products in teams that include everyone from marketing to manufacturing, from the moment any product is conceived to the second it's shipped out through the loading dock. We've gone past suggestion boxes to actively encouraging and rewarding innovation from everywhere, resulting in improved product features, a regular flow of dramatic and meaningful design improvements, enhanced efficiency in the production lines, team approaches to assembly, and the general harnessing of creative brain power from everywhere in the company in a way Henry Ford would not only never have dreamed of, but would never have stood for. I trust many of you who've been through some of the business transformation to enable some of this in your own companies have a properly puffed-out chest right now as you look through your bifocals and think about how maybe you had just a little bit to do with all that and about how the world has changed so positively as a result. And you're right to feel good about it because, yes, thanks to your efforts, we are engaging our complete companies more fully in innovation than ever in the past. But... And yes, I am going to deflate you all a bit. Just like Henry Ford's assembly line and the tiny creative team ideas, the very systems you help put in place for creative partnership are going to pass the way of the extinct dodo bird in far less time than it took to put Ford's concepts out to pasture in the first place. The key to all this is in taking the whole concept of innovative teamwork to an entirely new level. Beyond the factory walls and plunked right down in the middle of the entire business ecosystem, one that includes suppliers, customers, and competitors. And in thinking of them all as partners with both an equal right to be part of your creative process, as well as trusting their skill to innovate right along with the rest of your team. Why you might want to do this makes perfect sense. After all, just as allowing for more people in your company to be involved in the creative process of innovation will, by design, provide a larger number and wider variety of ideas than our old automotive designers' creative few, so too will opening up to the enormous creativity and resources of the entire business ecosystem bring an even larger exponential growth in your innovative capacity. 
but the how might still seem a bit challenging to manage to many of you. How do you enable the connections to those others in your business universe so that they know how and in what way they can contribute? How do you provide them with the tools to guide their creations? How do you manage the flow of ideas back to you? And, perhaps even more important, back out again to your now even more rapidly growing customer base. Rather than jump back into theory again, let's talk about a couple of examples where this has happened, and then we'll come back around to some of the processes and capacity building to consider if you're going to try this particular kind of innovation on for size yourself. The first example comes from Westwood Studios, a video game design group now owned by Electronic Arts, who found that, after it released its game Red Alert in 1996, there was a category of serious gamers who had started to develop their own added content for the games, who hacked in to link their new content with the game. These lead innovators loved the basic game concept, but wanted to link their new design subroutines, involving new characters, new abilities, and new scenarios, to the base game engine Westwood had already developed. In the past, game designers would have fought with legal tools and stiffer barriers to prevent hacking into the game, but Westwood took a different approach. They made the creative choice to work with the hackers, and soon started shipping toolkits of game development software with their games, thereby enabling design changes literally on the fly from all over the customer base at a far more rapid clip than they would have ever been able to do on their own. Further, the games are being improved faster and in better ways than they ever imagined. As a second instance, back in 2003, BMW made the conscious decision to leverage their customers and small business partners' creative skills and set up a special part of its website for those groups to input their own creative ideas. This has grown from a simple concept to a formal part of their website, located at bmwgroup.com via, where they invite formal ideas from literally anyone as part of what they call their virtual innovation agency, as part of a search for unusual innovations on the mobile future. Initially, BMW's first outing resulted in 1,000 customers connecting in through their first online innovation toolkit, and BMW is now in the process of implementing some 15 of these innovations, all of which were contributed for free, and yet will soon be a part of BMW's solution set worldwide. Other examples are far more prevalent than you might imagine. The American office supply store chain, Staples, created a competition among his customers to come up with new product ideas to sell in its stores. One of the winners of those competitions was Staples' new Word Lock, a mechanical padlock that uses letter combinations spelling words to create a padlock that's easier and more fun to use than its more traditional number sequence competitor. As another example, General Electric's healthcare products division has pulled together a set of leading research scientists and influential senior doctors from well-respected medical institutions into a group they call luminaries as part of a similar process of gathering ideas from the edges of their customer ecosystem. They pull these luminaries together at regular GE-sponsored advisory board sessions to talk about the future of GE's medical innovations, where customers contribute ideas and GE shares some of its advanced, but not yet implemented, medical technology. One recent incarnation of such technology sharing and co-creation was its introduction in recent years of the Lightspeed VCT, a scanner that produces a highly realistic 3D image of a beating heart. Hexcelanese Corporation, the massive chemical products group, 
mirrored some of GE's concept of involving the lead innovators by formalizing a senior-level Office of Innovation in the company and forming joint teams of research scientists and customers. In these teams, the emphasis is even more about co-discovery than just a strong working relationship, and co-creation is linked even with their competitors. The LEGO Group, creators of the LEGO Block series of toys, has mixed several of these approaches in getting its customers involved. Since their toys themselves are designed to encourage creative expression just by buying a set of blocks and then building what you want, it was not surprising when they introduced innovations such as Mindstorms, which connected the ease of assembly of LEGO blocks with robotics and software with readily adaptable subroutines for even the youngest of customers to interact with. Far less known, however, is its creation of the LEGO Factory Contest, where they allow customers to download a 3D designer kit for free from their website to assist in developing new ideas for the company. And get this, when the company ran their first ever LEGO Factory Contest, eight LEGO customers whose designs were selected were awarded 5% of the revenue from sales of the sets they created. In the internet world, there are innovative sharing internet portals such as the wildly popular Flickr photo sharing site, which encourage development of interactive software links to their system by providing easily adapted application interface software routines, also known as APIs for short, which readily connect back into the original network and build customer base. And finally, there's that open source operating system, Linux, which is being freely co-created by thousands of designers from all over the world and is slowly taking over more and more of the server world market. With these ideas in mind then, what are some common enabling threads that make this kind of co-creative processes work for these companies? Well first, you have to start with the idea that it's not only okay, but necessary to have your customers be part of the design process. Let me say that another way. You must Change your mindset from one where you're just listening to the customer to one where you're truly engaging the customer in the creative process. Second, you must develop a means to identify and connect with both what are sometimes known as the early adopters in your market area, as well as what researchers such as MIT's head of the Innovation and Entrepreneurship Group, Eric Von Hippel, are now calling lead users the ones who are most skilled at identifying and implementing the most novel applications and innovations for the products and services you are already delivering. GE's Luminary Group and how it is integrating into the innovation process is one example of such a connection. Westwood Studios' active identification and courting of the hardcore gamers in their customer community is yet another great approach to consider. Third, you either need to have an easy way for the customers to adapt your products with their ideas or a deeply embedded process for implementing them. Here I'd call attention to BMW's Virtual Innovation Agency and its formal process for receiving, screening, and acting on ideas as yet another model. And fourth, you need to embrace the idea that continuous and slightly out of control change of your product or service offerings layered on top of a series of constantly emerging new product platforms is a great way to thrive for the long-term future. Not a bad way to go, is it? The idea of innovating in a truly co-creative relationship with all members of your business ecosystem, including customers, suppliers, and occasionally competitors, probably did sound a little far-fetched when we started this particular podcast journey. 
It is, however, not just the wave of the future and how all business will innovate. It's the way you are going to continue to be even more relevant to your business universe for the long term and to be seen as the one to watch in your markets. That's Dronova Strategic Edge for this time, and thanks for listening. We at Stranova have over 30 years experience helping companies develop their own strategic innovation processes and strategies in a variety of fields. If you're interested in seeing how we can help you in taking your company to that next level of strategic leadership in your business universe, please contact us at ideas at Stranova.com. If you have comments on this week's show or suggestions for topics or guests for future shows, please contact us by email at ideas at Stranova.com at our Stranova comment line at 1-408-849-4394 or via Skype by clicking on the link on our homepage. You can also join in our conversation by connecting with us on our Stranova blog by clicking the link on our homepage or going directly to blog.stranova.com. We look forward to your thoughts and the growing dialogue we're building on the intersection of strategy and innovation. This recording is copyright 2006 by Brad Redderson, and this is Brad Redderson thanking you for joining us this time at Stranova Strategic Edge.